and welcome to Notations, EMV's podcast exploring the people and stories behind early music. My name is Suzy Leblanc and I'm EMV's artistic and executive director and I'm co-hosting today's episode with my executive assistant and EMV's project coordinator, Julia Halbert. We're so delighted to have the chance to speak with Early Music Vancouver's 2023 artist-in-residence, Catalina Vicens, speaking to us from Bologna, Italy. Hello, Catalina. Hi, Susie, and hi, Julia. Thanks for, uh, for having me here. <laughs> it's a huge, huge pleasure. Thanks for making the time. Um, we're so excited that you're coming to the festival this summer. I cannot wait for the beautiful concerts that you're going to bring to us and all the ways that you're going to take part in the festival. Um, you know, just a question uh, to start us off. How did you get into music and more specifically early music? Great. Uh, so first of all, I, I must say I, I have to thank you, Susie, and of course, all the team for having me this year as artist mm -hmm. in residence, because it's really, it has been for so many years, I've looked up to, to the Vancouver Early Music uh, Festival and what you have done, and also seeing uh, it develop over the last years under your direction, and it's so beautiful. We're already uh, being part of it, even virtually last time. Um, was very touching so thanks for that i'm really looking forward to this um, yes and so how did i get into all of this i would say in the womb of my mother <laughs> uh, my mother was singing in the opera in the first choir of the professional the first professional choir uh, of the opera in Santiago de Chile, where I come from. And she was pregnant while she was working there. So I started there. I started as well um, spending, I mean, the opera house felt like home. Going under the scenes, looking at all these uh, stage sets and so on was it's such a fascinating world that I was actually very early on, interestingly enough, because I've gone far away from it, fascinated with the world of opera. Mm. Uh, and I didn't think more of, of doing music or anything like that. It was first, I really enjoyed it. And I, I was very much stimulated and encouraged by my family to, it was a normal thing to have these opportunities. It was a, a huge privilege, of course, I see it now, but it was sort of a normal thing for us to go every weekend to a symphonic concert or an opera. Um, and then started getting this idea of starting learning the, to learn the piano and I did that early on but then there was this special love for for the music of Bach as well mm. so Sunday mornings was uh, opera repertoire loud on in the <laughs> living room my mom would wake us all <laughs> with uh, Bach and I would go to uh, with with opera and I would go to bed always with Bach um, wow. 
So there it was, it was not about, then I, I became a, a harpsichordist and extended uh, my, my repertoire to, especially to the medieval renaissance and uh, contemporary music as well. But it was this idea of Bach had something very intimate. Mm. So it was my time to listen to this alone. Mm. And sort of from there, this, this idea of, of going deeper into that music, in fact, that, that brought me to early music. It's fantastic. I like the fact that he studied with Bach because, of course, he was extremely influenced also with earlier music himself and Renaissance music. Uh, so that's a kind of an interesting way to to have you make the same journey. Um, Julia, do you have anything you want to ask? Yes. So you kind of touched on it earlier, but I just want to know, how do you know Susie? How does this connection work? <laughs> Yeah, we're, well, we we have uh, worked together in Canada. My first times in Canada were teaching at uh, an early music, Renaissance music course uh, led by Bruce Dickey at the LAMP Academy, Lunenburg Academy of Musical Performance. And it was really such a treat to spend this time with colleagues that it was an opportunity to really meet people that you admire already for a long time. Mm. And, but in a way to, to really grow, it was this, this op opportunities to grow together with something in the, the music was something that, that was our common starting point and a very specific uh, subject. But then so much of, of our own approach to music was sort of served to the others because it was an, basically a very special um, platform that I would say important also to mention uh, Bert Wappen that has created this uh, at LAMP in Lunenburg to give performers and teachers a space to also create together and of course then with the students it felt that we were sharing so closely all this so there's where I met Susie for a couple of times um, and it was all it was really a pleasure yeah Aww. for the benefit thank you Katarina it was um, just for the benefit of our viewers LAMP is Lunenburg Nova Scotia uh, in Canada and there's still courses going on and I believe Bruce Dickey is is going to be back again there so uh, wonderful work being done there by Bert Wathen as you said yeah yes. yes we interviewed him earlier this year and he was talking about doing that uh, this coming year so he'll be carrying it on um so you touched earlier on how you've been in our festival before with the uh, City of Ladies. And I'm just wondering, how did you learn about Christine de Pizan and her publication from 1405, The City of Ladies? Yeah, so with my ensemble Servir Antico, I need to sort of go back a little bit because uh -huh. with my ensemble Servir Antico, um, it has been, uh, I've used it basically as a platform to create uh, and to 
create with processes that are not triggered necessarily by outside factors, but for myself. And one of the things that I love to do, the idea that I thought is, I want to do music with the people that I admire, people that I love, uh, but with thinking of things that really touch me. And sometimes the process of a topic, and in this case, around the, 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 the time and, and the phenomena of humanism, of Renaissance humanism, uh, which is this rethinking of the world, looking at the past, but really to, to reset our parameters, our paradigms, and uh, revise ourselves, but also what can be society. It's a very utopic kind of way to open perspectives, to then become concrete. So what I've been doing uh, for since 2013, a little bit earlier that I was, uh, that I founded the ensemble, is I just go to libraries and I go through books uh, from this period and the things that call my attention, I just go through them. And at a certain point, there's an idea that comes that how to put this together with music. It's not always evident. Or, so I read um, Christine de Pizan's uh, The City of Ladies already a while ago. And I was mm. like, wow, this is fascinating. But I didn't go deeper into learning so much more about her or so on. So this must have been even 2010 or so on that I was already reading Christine de Pizan. Uh, and then with the time getting more books of hers or on her um, works, on her life. And then comes this idea, okay, now I think I have the people that we are all in Sintony uh, to reflect on this through music making together. Sort of, I, I like putting the, setting the, car, the cards on the table and let's play with them. So it has been a little bit like that. It's a, a, a longer, I mean, there's people that have been reading and working on Christine for, for their whole life. I cannot claim at any point to be that, but it has been this encounter that has developed over several readings. And actually during COVID, it was that I decided, um, to read, and there it was another connection with Zuzi. Uh, during COVID, um, I decided not to post music, but mm -hmm. to start reading uh, each of the chapters of Christine de Pizan's City of Ladies on social media. Ooh. After a while, I started saying, but let's wait, wait, there's other people that are looking at this and there's people that are really connecting. I want them to be part of this as well. And so even at, at a moment, at a point, I think I asked Susie to read one of these uh, chapters in, in 2020. It was early March, end of March, 2020. Uh, and basically there also this start starting of a community. The program was already there. We had done the City of Ladies, the first version of the program already 
2017. Uh, but it has developed since and then, uh, yeah, we also have recorded it. That's, uh, you know, it's reminding me of something. I've, I've just been reading about the literary salons in Italy in the 17th century, where poets and writers and thinkers would get together to discuss religious reform and societal changes and all these things. And it, it seems to be that you're kind of creating a modern version in a way with your projects of these discussions. And so you must, well, I'm gonna just ask the question, do you think that these teachings and these values that we can get from people like Christine de Pizan and other uh, writers of the period can help us to face the current challenges of the world? Do you think that, that going to those reflections help us? I do think so. Personally, I do think so. I think it's extremely inspiring, first of all. Perhaps it doesn't connect with everyone in that way. Also, because if you're very engaged in certain, certain topics, such as women's rights, uh, all the issues that there are still to work on, uh, gender equality beyond just the women's issue or the querelle de dames as, as it was known back then in the 15th century. Um, but exactly things like that, seeing how far we are in terms of developed in, in good issue, good, in good terms, but also seeing how for, for, for me, very, very inspiring, for example. And I got back actually at a certain point to Christine de Pizan through Martin Lefranc, who is the other author of which uh, we have worked on on the, the, the first program of the City of Ladies. This is a figure, it's a poet from the 15th century as well, that is quoted very often in musicology because he names the major composers of Burgundy and the style of the English imported into, mm. into the continent. But it's taken completely out of the context. So I start reading this and seeing, but wait, he's defending Christine. Why no one told me about that? Why should I be making a program about just historical background on who was the composer for the Burgundian uh, yeah, dukes and so on, when I can tell all these stories. <laughs> and when this is so inspiring, I mean, the fact that someone of the, a, a generation after and a man at the time is defending the rights of women so vividly and defending the work without saying it directly, but he of course is doing that and in a very witty way and in a different way that, um, um, that Christine is doing it. So that's, that's just very inspiring and I believe in, I mean, this is one of the things that I love about social media. You can create community with people that you would not expect to. Mm -hmm. And if you share, especially I think if you share intimately or, or basically if you're very honest in what you believe, mm -hmm. 
will be people you you will be always attacked or there's negative sides to it but there's such a potential to connect with people that can be inspired by what you're doing but also that can expand what you do so that we are not it's not about the one but that you can create a network of like-minded people people that love art love culture whatever that means uh, to to connect and to grow so i think it it has it has so many sides to it i i think i mean as i say i find it really inspiring to connect with what happened 500 years ago and 600 years ago well i do too so that's what we do <laughs> Um, you know, you you talked about expansion, and so many of our viewers would probably have seen the City of Ladies, the digital concert that you did for us in 2021, which was exquisite, and thank you again for that. But I'm just wondering, so you're coming, finally, you can bring your ensemble live in Vancouver, and we can actually meet you and see you and hear your lives. So um, what can... I, how has the project expanded? What can be? What is a bit different about this one? Because this one is called Our City of Ladies, so it's like the sequel. So, what can we expect in the sequel? So here, the idea was musically in the first City of Ladies. It was really going musically, trying to find the connection and the pieces that would relate also chronologically to the life and the area where Christine and Martin Lefranc live. Um, now, I would say on one hand, I would love to see it more transgressing boundaries of binarism uh, and saying this is about men and women and them and ours because finally it's all ours and mm. we shall defend all of this that we believe in and we shall grow with it uh, together uh, and as well musically expanding it to other centuries to other regions uh, so it's going to have also music from Italy, uh, mm. from a little bit before, from England, from a little bit later, from France, of course, some things from Spain, and as well some who are going to be composing music uh, for the text. And we have a composer, a British composer, Nicky Martin, um, that is also inspired. He, uh, they have taken part of this, uh, of also this whole process uh, of of the first city of ladies, and they are also being part of of this new project through their through their music. We can't wait. This sounds just so exciting. Thank you. So speaking of another project, uh, you are our music director for our upcoming opera, The Queen of Carthage, which is very exciting. And I'm just curious how that project is going and what excites you about it? 
Oh, that is really exciting on many fronts. Uh, I mean, the whole concept that I, I don't have any credit uh, for it is just fantastic. It's so interdisciplinary. It's such a take also on rethinking about women or this woman figure, Dido. And from such a modern perspective in a way, but in a very, not just allegorical or historical, but it's a very intimate perspective of what it means to be a woman, a woman in a role, a woman in a position, a woman that is fragile, a woman that is all what it can be. Um, and Debbie Wong has been doing an amazing work in thinking all of this. Also, the fact of working with such an amazing team of musicians, the instrumentation is going to be great, and the composers, the three composers uh, that are um, writing for us is really great. And Charlotte, uh, I'm really looking forward to working with her. So it's it's there are so many elements that are exciting about this. You you do you often perform it like you're really going to meet a lot of new people. You never worked with Charlotte mm -hmm. before. Uh, maybe you've met some of the instruments uh, instrumentalists, but many many new people. Maybe you can speak about how it is to to come in as a director uh, in this role and uh, and also maybe about featuring some of the instruments we're going to hear. Yeah, well, so I haven't, uh, I, I usually don't, don't do this very often and I more and more work, uh, working with, with sort of my circle of colleagues, musicians. Uh, I used to work a lot with people that I didn't know. Uh, most of the time, I would say. Um, traveling and being asked to play with this ensemble or that. And in fact, some years ago, I did also a stage production conducting and playing the harpsichord uh, around the figure of Dido. Uh, where I didn't know any of the performers either. So it's going to be a, a revisitation sort of of this, of this process. Uh, but I'm really excited about it. I, I think it's, it's so precious that we as musicians can do that, can jump into that. But I know that that is going to be wonderful. We're going to have a great time because we're all looking forward to discovering this together. It's for everyone, uh, an experiment, uh, diving into this process, which is creating music together. And I think it's, it's precious uh, and yeah the instrumentation we have the lirone which is such a gorgeous instrument the harp the theorbo uh, besides the keyboards and the the, the other string players um viola da gamba um it's it's really going to be i think a really exciting and beautiful uh, yeah stage production plus the dancers renaissance uh, opera i mean everything is is so rich 
And it's, it's, I think it is a, like you say, a real privilege when you can work on a production where all the creators are coming on board at the beginning and creating it together. That is, that is very special. I think uh, early music Vancouver also for creating this because it's a huge project to put, not in terms of uh, perhaps uh, the, the typical large opera production, but to have people creating together, it means so much trust. It means uh, risk taking, but at the same time, you're offering a platform for something that is really new. So this is one of the most exciting things, I think. (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. Um, So you just are talking about collaboration, but you also have another solo project in our summer festival, which is your keyboard concert, Songs Without Words. I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about the different types of keyboards you'll be playing and just touch on them, because it's such an interesting concept to have so many different kinds. Yeah, well, so I'm going to be taking with me from Bologna a small portative organ. often used also with a Servile Antico uh, for playing medieval music and with music that is going to go from Hildegard von Bingen into uh, compositions probably from convents uh, from the 14th century as well some 15th century so we're in the late middle ages and renaissance playing Mm -hmm. these keyboard instruments but with vocal music uh without words that's why also the program is called uh, songs without words uh, and then actually music that uh, is also written for keyboards for the virginals and harpsichords and we're going going to be playing some of this other plucked string keyboard instruments um going into prolonging this idea of uh, of songs without words, but in a time that actually um, the keyboard instruments did represent a tool, particularly for women, mm-hmm. to express themselves and to be allowed to sing, but with uh, the with keys. Mm-hmm. Uh, since many women were not allowed to actually sing their favorite songs in public, but they could do so with a keyboard. So it's going to be really exciting to uh, perhaps play a repertoire that is less known for uh, for the audience, because it's a very early keyboard repertoire uh, still, but it spans a very long time so we're talking 11th century into the early 17th century that is amazing i love how clever women were to find these ruses you know to be able to express themselves all through the centuries and that's that's a thread throughout the festival actually and i just want to mention that we're so excited uh catalina that we've just managed to acquire 
a copy of a Rooker's instrument made by Hubert Vedar uh, that we will be able to have for you as one of our instruments that you can play in Songs Without Words. Um, and it's a very, very beautiful instrument physically and also for the richness of its sound. Um, so we're excited about that. And, and speaking of that, of course, I can't not ask you about your other role in your life, which is amazing. Uh, so you were recently named the curator of the Tagliavini collection at the San Colombano Museum in Bologna, in Italy. Uh, a really incredible achievement. Congratulations. This is this is a very high honor. Um, and so, yes, please tell us a bit more about that role and all the things you might be planning over there. And uh, yes, we want to well, know. You were talking about resourcefulness. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> required <laughs> um, because it's it's curating a collection a collection uh, that was uh, mainly that of a very important early music specialist and organist uh, that was Luigi Ferdinando Tagliavini here in Italy uh, who started collecting early on in his career uh, historical keyboard instruments and hooks. Uh, and so now this museum in the center of Bologna in a building that dates from the seventh century, I'm not saying 17th, but from the seventh century oh uh, with basically mm -hmm. the seventh, seventh century uh, parts of the building have been just uh, rediscovered with frescoes and so on. Uh, not longer than 20 years now. So uh, going into the 18th century, so it's a space that needs to be curated and taken care of with wonderful artworks um, and a historical and archaeological site basically that uh, has inside all these instruments that most of them are also playable. Uh, and my job is also to see that they remain playable um, and that they are played in concerts and so on. So we're very much looking forward also to open it for opening it uh, for visitors also from Vancouver. <laughs> yes, we'll remember that. <laughs> that. That is an incredible heritage that you're responsible for. Absolutely amazing. Um, so well, we'll do an interview at some point just about San Colombano because I'm sure there's so much to talk about there. But thank you for to this other side of your life. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So getting back to our festival, um, I'm just curious to know what do you think about the theme "Women in Sight," and what do you hope to accomplish as our artist in residence this year while you're in Vancouver? Connection is the first thing that I think. For me, this idea of insight, perhaps it's because I'm not uh, a native English speaker, mm. but I think of it as women inside. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it's a perspective of women through time and cultures and geographic areas. But also it's about connecting with women and connecting, first of all, with, with 
the feminine in in all of us mm. and, and how that yeah that grounds us and makes us want to share beyond the show <laughs> and for me that's one of the most valuable things of of performing of having these instances like a festival that you have the time and also being an artist in residence i think the time of sharing with with both of you for example in this time there in vancouver this moment of exchange of connection this moment of exchange with the audience um and with your colleagues i think that is the, the one of the the wonderful things that i'm i'm really looking forward to I'm, I'm actually looking forward to also you meeting uh, our music director for the Pacific Baroque Orchestra, Alexander Weimann, who's like you, a keyboard player. And uh, maybe you don't know this, but a, a very, very big advocate of women's music and has been so for many, many years. He's collecting lots of pieces by women. So I think that you'll have a lot of connection to share with Alex, and that will be wonderful for the audience and for us as well. That's so wonderful. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, and that was so beautifully said. I love how you described that. So thank you for that. Um, and then to end on a fun note, um, is this your first time coming to Vancouver? And, and if so, what are you looking forward to within the city? <laughs> yes, it's my first <laughs> time in Vancouver. Uh, oh, I'm not looking forward to the jet lag. Jet lag. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I'm really looking forward to come there and I'm just going to be open to meet and see all the wonderful things that there are to see. <laughs> I'll try to make sure that you can see the mountains when you're here. <laughs> you can hide when the weather's not good, but usually it's very good in the festival. So. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today, Catalina, for another episode of our podcast, Notations. If you are interested in coming to our festival this summer, you can see Catalina directing the Queen of Carthage on July 27th, her solo concert Songs Without Words on July 30th, and her final performance, Our City of Ladies, on August 1st. We hope you'll join us next time for another episode.